This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by This Is Not Church podcast and the letter F. And you. <laughs> if you've made it this far, my name is Nat Turney. My brother John Turney and I co-host This Is Not Church, the podcast. And this is sadly the level of discourse that you can expect to find if you tune in every Monday when we drop new episodes. But all joking aside, John and I see this as, a, as an opportunity for us to address issues that we don't think are addressed nearly enough inside of evangelicalism. So LGBTQIA plus issues, BIPOC issues, social justice issues. We like to talk to a broad variety and range of people and really try to find places of commonality for everybody. So check out the podcast. Every Monday, our episodes drop. Wherever you stream podcasts, you can find us. Remember, this is not church. And to that, John says, Peace. The mind that was in Jesus, that mind is in me. Without me, life has no meaning. Why would God tell you what I'm thinking and tell you what I've said to my wife or my husband when you're not around? It's because I'm the pastor of the church and I need to know. This is the only place where you can see truth. Hey, heathens. Welcome to the Deadly Faith Podcast, where religion and crime collide. I'm Lola. And I'm Lacey. And this shit is kinky and gross. Uh, and everything in between. It's it's so gross. That's all it's I so could think gross. the whole it's time a, researching this. I just thought, gagging uh, noises. This is the case. This is a case that's been on my list. Because like you guys know, I started with YouTube videos. And this case has been on my list for a really long time. But it's so... Uh, that I didn't want to cover it. But I also... My husband watches and listens to every episode and he does not like cases that involve children. No. So I always have to give trigger warnings that I told him. I was like, there's going to be one case where I'm going to start it and be like, hey, babe, this is not the one for you. Just move on. <laughs> That's that case. That's this case, babe. So like, maybe you don't want to listen to this one. And I know I'm laughing, but I'm, it's, I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> you're, you're doing the Bailey Sarian thing again. I Bailey Sarian, please come on the pod. <laughs> right. Because... <laughs> We'll just all laugh when we're really uncomfortable. But yeah, so yeah. it's a very intense and a very old story. Yes. Because it happened back in like 1800s, early 1900s kind of thing. That's wild to me that it happened that long ago. Wait, no, no. It was just 1800s. I said that wrong. Technically, yes, it does go into early 1920s. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, because it is a long, fucking long span of time for this. Yes. I mean, disclaimer too, for anybody that doesn't want to listen, this includes child abuse, torture, murder, sexual assault, and cannibalism. So jot that down. Just kidding. I already did it for you. Take a note. Take take good care of yourself. If those are too triggering, just come back for another episode. Yeah. Pick another episode. It's fine. Yeah, any, any episode. Also, this is my first time uh, presenting yes. a true crime case. I normally Yay! do the what the fuck stories on mess and spirituality. So yes. this, uh, y'all be nice. Be gentle and, and be easy on Lola as she presents this. And she's going along this journey and learning and presenting. And I'm excited to hear this case. I'll come up with my own flow. Like everybody yeah. has their own flow for presenting true crime stuff. We'll yes. present any kind of storytelling. So before we jump into the case though, let's do a little like recap of our weeks. I had a pretty good week. Really fun. Lacey, t- tell me about your day because you sent me a really nice photo this morning of your <laughs> freshly bleached uh, roots. They were so white. And then yeah. the rest of her hair was just 
purple. teamed with mm-hmm. little blue purple <laughs> pigment. It was very cute. It was a Billie Eilish look. Yeah. And I got compliments on it because I, yes, I did have to go out in public. So I, I touched up my roots. It did look purposeful. It, yeah. You know, I tried. So I had to touch <laughs> up my roots. And for some reason, and I don't know why my hair does this. And, and Lola's a hairdresser and she was still like, I don't know why your hair does that. But when I bleach my roots, I have to do it twice in order for the purple to take and you not see like a strict line, like a very harsh line in between. Like the line of demarcation. Yeah, that. It's that, gonna, yes. Yeah. And I'm thinking, because her hair is naturally like a like a seven or an eight. No, not a yeah. eight. Seven or a six. So normally okay. that would lift pretty easily under 30 volumes. So she's saying yeah. she hits it twice with 30 volumes. So I'm like, how is it alive? How did it yeah. not Which my The first time I do it, I'd probably leave it on for like 30... 40 minutes, just like as, as long as I yeah, can handle Yeah, that's like and, the full processing time. Right. And I check it and I make sure. And then when I go back the second time, I only leave it on for like 10 minutes or so. And sometimes if I have it, I'll just do like 20 volume or I will use, I'll dilute it like a yeah. little bit more with more developer, less bleach or whatever. But yeah, I always have to do it a second time. And I ran out of developer. So and so I had to go to Sally's. And so I had to go out like that in public. And then when I came home, I was like about to go into my bathroom and start my whole hair dyeing when we had some major drama with our neighbors and the little girl. I know. I can't, I don't want to go into like detail. Those are other no, no, people's no, no. private lives. But, but it, it basically what I can say is the police were called <laughs> and three cops showed up to my house and I had to advocate for this poor child. And it was just a fucking wild day. And the whole time these cops are in my house, I have half bleached, half purple, faded hair. And I'm like, oh my God, they probably think I've had a manic episode. (laughs) Yeah, probably. But you were were probably being the most rational out of everybody there. I I think I was one of the most rational people. (laughs) Yeah. I felt bad for the cops. They were like, am I really being called out for this? And I'm like, apparently you are. And I'm sorry. We pay you to do this shit. (laughs) My taxes pay for this service. (laughs) I'm thinking they've got to go and write all of this paperwork. I know. Craziness, but... I'm glad for the documentation, but it feels like half of it is a little bit useless. Yeah. Just a little bit. I don't know. What do I know? I'm not in law enforcement. I just... I know, right? Yeah. I don't know. Well, this is an idealistic view. Yeah. That was my day. So Lola, how are you? What's your plans? I got... Coming up this weekend. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I got tickets to go to a Renaissance fair in Tennessee <gasps> at the castle where Taylor Swift filmed Love Story music video. <sighs> I have always wanted to go there. I'm a Swifty hardcore. I'll die for the um, woman. And I, I am not a Swifty. Um, That's okay. Mainly, the mainly main reason I'm not a Swifty is like I do not know very popular music because mm-hmm. I grew up listening to only Christian music. Like as I got older, <laughs> like like when I was listening to secular music, it's like I I know like Colt Forty Five and don't copyright, so I can't keep going. But <laughs> like that's yeah, that's the kind of like music I know from back in the day, and then it Damn. was like. Oceans, you know, like lead me where I can't even oh, remember the lyrics no, now. But not the one, hill right? song. Oh, the hill song, the hill song stuff. So I don't know a whole lot of like modern day music, and I don't listen to music in my downtime. I listen to podcasts because I'm true crime obsessed, and it's a problem. And like my husband's worried about me. 
<laughs> no, listen. Uh, my boyfriend is very worried about me. Every time, if I listen to a case that's a little bit close to home or sounds something like, oh, like yeah. my former marriage or something, he's, I get a little bit shaken sometimes and I'll stay mm-hmm. up late. And if I stay up past my bedtime, he knows something's like, up. Mm-hmm. Something's yeah. up. You're like, I listen. Maybe it's a little too much, but I'll be like, go watch some Bob's Burgers or something, you know? Yes. Ours is Big Bang Theory. Ah, that's so good. I love, love me some Sheldon. Hello, Leonard. Do you like my bongos? (laughs) (laughs) My favorite. Underrated episode. I love that one. (laughs) Very underrated episode. Totally. Um, So the only Taylor Swift story I have is like by proxy. So I have a a friend-ish, like acquaintance. We've known each other in high school. She was in the grade above me. And she, I mean, is probably the biggest Swifty I've ever met or seen in my life. Like, I mean, so big a Swifty. Swift forward. To the point where like Taylor Swift knows her by name. And back, no, not kidding. And like years ago, this was probably five or six years ago, Taylor Swift did a private debut of her like upcoming album and like played it for just like her closest fans and like paid for them to come out and like come to this house and like have, she was part of that. She got to be, yes, yes. And she, I mean- Yeah, she's she's. I'll have to find her. She she knows if she's ever listens to this, she knows who I'm talking about. Oh my god! Yeah, Caddy. So shout out Caddy if you ever watch this. Oh, I'm so jealous of you. Yeah, What's it like to be living crazy. my dream? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, so funny. All right. Well, we've wasted ten minutes of your time. Should we get into filling it? you in on all of our shenanigans? So yeah, let's get into it. This case is a very long one. It goes over a long period of time. I think it was like a year and a half, two years ago that I heard about this case for the very first time. But it's been that long, so there's a lot of it that I don't remember. This is only going to be a part one. Like we're not going to do two episodes or anything like that. I'm not skilled enough to do that yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into those later on. <laughs> but if you guys want more information on this dip fuck that is Albert Fish, there is a four part series that we will link in our show notes. That's done by Morbid that Elena did, and oh my gosh, very detailed. If you want to go down that so rabbit good. hole and have nightmares, but you know, great, we'll put that in there for you guys. But Anyway, without further ado, Lola, let the nightmare begin. Take us, take us on this journey of <laughs> Albert the fish. Albert, that's what it seems like. Albert the fish, right? Okay, so obviously, most true crime listeners in the U.S., you know, know about this story with Mister Fish. Uh, he's a very well-known serial killer, rapist, torture fiend, cannibal. Hamilton Howard Fish was born in May of 1870. He was the youngest kid in a family from Washington, D.C. He hated his name, firstly. Hamilton. Oh, is that why he changed it? So he was nicknamed uh, by some like kids in grade school, Ham and Eggs. So Uh -uh. he hated his name because he was just teased all the time for it. So he actually took his dead brother's name. Oh my God, I forgot about that. I didn't know that. I had never heard that before. I totally forgot that. What made kids choose Ham and Eggs to be his nickname? I guess Hamilton is where they got it from. Like, Yeah, okay. So there's not like a major backstory to it. I, I couldn't find anything. I did okay. try to look into more about his childhood, but like such, it's such an old story. And because it happened when... 
documentation of people's lives was not like social media now where you can track it so easily. So I couldn't find much more on it just besides they called him ham and eggs. I don't know where the eggs comes from, but whatever. I guess it was just insult to injury at that point. Yeah, kids being bullies. But yeah, he ended up changing his name to Albert, which was his dead brother's name. Red flag number one. Red flag. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're coming off to a great start here. I feel like I wouldn't be able to do that if my sibling, even if I never knew them, it would just be like, that's their name. Like, I can't... That's weird. I can't separate it for me. I couldn't even do it if it was like a dead friend. And that's still weird. Like my own brother? No. Mm -mm. No. I mean, and he changed his name when he was in his teens. So like... He wasn't able to for a while. So you have to imagine through like what would be elementary and middle school ages, he's constantly bullied and called this and it's just endless kind of, you know, kids are just mean. They've always been kind of mean when it comes to, you know, social settings and in public school, that is. Right. He had parents. Wow. Jot that down. He had parents. He was born. He was born (laughs) into this world. (laughs) (laughs) He... Yep, he had parents, and they were like 43 years difference in age. So like... No. I think it's about 43. I mean, it was the largest age gap I've ever been aware of with a married couple. Dang. That's... Wow. Yeah. So his dad was like 70 when he was born, something like that. Uh, And then his dad, when he was like 75, died. So... Albert was only about five or six years old when his father passed, so he just stayed with his mom. So he probably has no memories of his dad, or if he does, or if he did, very little. Not many. So his mom, okay, backstory. So apparently mental illness runs in his family. His uncle was diagnosed with mania. One of his brothers was sent to a state mental institution, which this could have been for something that wasn't exactly mental health related because, you know, they'll send you there for being gay or talking back or not getting a job. Especially like 1870s. Yes. So one of his sisters was diagnosed with mental affliction. Mm-hmm. Not certain what that means. Uh, it could have been like moody teenager that they decided Yeah, because like, I don't know when the lobotomy days were, but like women would get sent to get a lobotomy for acting up and their parents feeling like something was wrong with them because they were having some attitude or whatever and weren't living the like standards of like femininity. And so they would literally take them to get a hot poker show. Lobotomized. Yeah. Yeah. I got lobotomized at a Toyota thon. Uh, so <sighs> mental affliction, whatever that means. Um, his mother also was known to have visual hallucinations, and she kind of went off the rails whenever her spouse died, you know, like oh. as any of us probably would. They'd probably been together for a while. So right. you know, she was off the rails in mourning and allegedly, you know, unstable before that because of the whole, you know, visual hallucinations. It is unconfirmed. She was never diagnosed with anything necessarily. She just was well known for, I think, being maybe the crazy lady or something. Which I hate that. Yeah, but I'm wondering if like, if she really did have a mental illness and mm-hmm. it has been died, if it's made it, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Trigger, a triggered a manic episode. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, I think that's very possible too. I wish I had more information on her. I just know that three other relatives that were on her side of the family did have mental illnesses. I don't know if these were like confirmed diagnoses or anything, but it was reported by several sources that three others in their family had mental illness. Gotcha. Okay. So she went off the rails. Okay. She's not doing well. So she put all of her kids an orphanage called St. John's Orphanage. There are some reports that just say that Albert was sent and nobody else was, but I don't really believe that. I think they were all sent there because I think she was really, she didn't have a job. She couldn't take care of them, couldn't take care of herself kind of thing. So I really Um, think she sent all of them. Was Albert the youngest? Yes, Yes, he was. Okay, because I'm wondering, because I had heard that too, that like he was the only one sent. So I'm wondering if he was so little, it was too hard to take care of him. So if she did just send him, because the other ones were more self-sufficient. And so she was like... Yeah, that that could be true. Either way, he's abandoned. Either way, yeah, he's sent away to an orphanage. So kind of a little bit of a backstory on orphanages. So... Obviously, in the 1800s, orphanages weren't great. They were mostly ran by the Roman Catholic churches. Mm -hmm. He was sent to an orphanage called St. John's Orphanage. I did try to research this. I can't come up with much. I kept getting St. Joseph's, which was not uh, part of this at all. So normally, the orphanages were not well-funded. They were abusive, poor living conditions, not much food to go around, and very overpopulated because this was not just for orphans or just for like foster kids or anything like that. Apparently, because, you know, America was such a socially underdeveloped. So like, obviously, you're going to seek out social structure from things that already kind of have it, like the church. So it kind of tracks where, you know, the church is able to kind of come in and pop up all of these orphanages with the money that comes into churches anyway. Yeah. And they're able to kind of set the norms for punishing kids and mm-hmm. for leading them in the right way and determining a lot of social structures, such as yeah. purity culture that we have now, yeah. such yeah. as like dress codes and, and things of that mm-hmm. nature and the way that a, a woman should act versus a, a man and stuff like that. And just so everybody knows, when she said like the right way, she was air quoting that. So I was I know so, you hard, so, so hard, so hard air quoting, air quoting. Quote, quote unquote right way. <laughs> yes, no. The technically, it's all the wrong things that you could do to a child. They did. Yeah, how to damage a child one hundred and one. Let's go. Like we could do an entire episode on the Roman Catholic, um, <sighs> like orphanages, and which there's a case that I'm going to be sharing. I actually no, it's not going to be next. It'll be about a month from now that mm-hmm. we I talk about. Catholic orphanages or boys' homes, and it's fucking awful. It's fucking awful. I mean, really, all the things that they were subjected to uh, is just... uh, Some of these people that ran these places were parents, and you're supposed Mm -hmm. to have an unconditional love for your children, and therefore it kind of bleeds over into other children. Like, it makes your heart grow in some ways, I think. How how did they really believe that this is the way that you raise a child? Like, this is what's going to make the child a better person. And it's not going to. I mean, they treat you like the way that some people would treat their dogs. I would never treat my dogs this way. And I know you wouldn't, where it's the whole, like, negative reinforcement 
positive reinforcement thing. Yeah. And it's not really giving realistic consequences for a human that has to function in the real world. Yeah, it's growing up living by fear instead of Mm -hmm. like well-rounded. Critical thinking and... and structure and yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. anyways, keep going. We love that. We love that. (laughs) Just kidding. I hate that for (laughs) little, little owl, little fish, you know? Little fish. Yeah, this place was terrible to him. Pretty much, Albert said that he was beaten by not only kids in the orphanage, but by the people that were supposed to protect him and care for him, which were the nuns. So no one would step in to help him. And oftentimes in this specific orphanage, probably a bunch of others too, but they would um, strip the kids down naked in front of the rest of the kids and beat them. And it would be like a humiliation kind of thing so that they wouldn't repeat whatever behavior they had done previously to deserve, air quote, deserve the punishment. So, My gosh. I don't remember that on this case. That is... That is traumatizing to a whole new level. Like, it's what just the... gross. It's just straight up gross. Like, it yeah. makes me think that there was a sexualization of kids by those nuns and by those people that ran the place. I mean, there were reports. I, I read a couple of articles on different orphanages in the 1800s, and a lot of them reported rapes and murders by the hands of nuns and other leaders. So, uh-huh. uh huh. I don't know with it being this far back, like it being ran by nuns. I can't speak on like my knowledge of the sexual abuse. That's what he said. He said nuns in his like uh, testimony about it or something. Oh, man. Yeah. uh, There's a direct quote from him actually that I have. There's not many quotes from this, but I I have some. So uh, when asked about the orphanage, Fish remarked, I was there till I was nearly nine, and that's where I got started wrong. We were unmercifully whipped. I saw boys doing many things they should not have done. Ugh. I think the kids might have been raping each other. Ew. I think they learned it from the adults and thought it was normal. This is just my thought. I did oh, not read this anywhere. Right. So, but that's an opinion. But I, I mean, they they lead by example. You know, that's Mm -hmm. not only like, that's not something you just say in Christian circles and stuff. Like Mm -hmm. literally they're like little sponges. And when they watch something and they think, oh, this is normal. This happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And everyone says it's okay. So this is the thing to do. So yeah, it just rewires them, unfortunately. Oh, that breaks my heart. Well, you know, Albert kept getting the beatings, but he kind of flipped the script a little bit on... The whole thing. (laughs) Because, okay, he was there until he was like nine or 10. This is the part where around that age, you start to explore your sexuality a little bit. Or at least you're at least get woken up to the knowledge of it. You're exploring pleasure mostly and like sensations versus an actual like sexual awakening. Yeah. Some people are teetering on the edge of puberty then, but not really all the way there. But if he was already exposed to sexual acts due to being mm. abused, then that Very could true. have yeah. awoken even sooner in him. Yes, it could have propelled him forward into the sexuality and awakening stuff. So he kind of flipped the script on the pain to tolerate it, you know, and 
Eventually, the beatings from nuns and children made him climax, and he tricked himself into liking the pain. I, oh, yeah. I just have no words because I think of, okay, he said he was there till nine. So let's say, like, let's even give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he was there till 10. Most 10 year olds aren't climaxing. No. Yeah. So that makes me think that there had to have been abuse, sexual abuse of that nature prior to that, because what 10 year old is able to make themselves take that and turn it into sexual gratification? That. Yeah. For, For sure. I thought that was also odd. And like, did that also, in a sense, make more beatings happen? Like, was it, uh, my thought is logistically or like realistically in that moment when you're getting beaten, were you climaxing right there in front of everybody naked, being humiliated in front of everybody? Because they stripped him naked. So it makes me wonder, like, did it happen right there? And then was, were there repercussions for that? So like it happened again and again? Oh my gosh. I, that was a valid question. (laughs) It's a valid question. And it wouldn't shock me if that was the case. And I don't mean to, as bad of a person as Albert Fish was, I don't mean to humiliate the child that he was. Of course. In this way. I want to go ahead and say he deserved respect and he deserved to not be exposed to such horrendous things, especially at such a young age. We can always sympathize for the child version of these monstrous people because they were very innocent. And and we can understand psychologically how being a part of this kind of trauma can lead to Albert Fish becoming Albert Fish and who he is known for. But it doesn't mean that we can't, hate him for what he did as a, as an adult and in his growing up years, but also sympathizing for what he had to go through. Like two things, you can hold two things at one time. Two things can mm-hmm. be true at the same time. Two truths for sure. They're both hard to hold, but if for sure. I, I give respect and grace to his child self. Yes. Um, but he did some more gross things. He did some more bad things. Yeah. Um, or I don't want to say bad things, but just they weren't so great. So yeah, he began self-harming. He would swallow needles. He would burn himself, pretty much anything to inflict pain on himself. And at the same time, he was also reading a lot about criminals and, you know, true crime. Yeah. Be careful, guys. <laughs> and th- is this while he's in the, still in the... This is while he's, as far as I know, this is while he's still in there. God, that's young. It's also reported that he still kept gaining interest in true crime and Mm -hmm. serial killers and stuff like that. Like when he came back to his mother, whenever she finally... Pulled herself together. Because he was starting to, I don't know, it it just began to heighten the, Mm -hmm. I guess, curiosities of inflicting pain on other humans not just yourself kind of thing. So he was escalating. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, By the time he's around 10, his mom gets to a better place and starts working for a government agency. You know, she's got a stable job. She's she's rolling. She's grinding, doing all the things and goes and gets her kids back. She really pulled herself together. She really did. I mean, she put in the work. She wanted her kids back. So this also makes me think that 
I don't think he was the only one sent. I just feel like she knew this is rock bottom for me. I got to figure this out so I can get everybody back. I feel like there was a lot of motivation yeah. there. So when he came home, though, he was wetting the bed and he was still self-harming. And then there was this other thing that happened where, oh God. I have no idea what you're about to say. There are certain terms for this that I don't remember what they're called, but he... <laughs> I'm sorry, okay. I shouldn't be laughing. I'm just laughing at how uncomfortable you are right now. I sure. Yeah, like this is how, listen, on Messy Spirituality, if I say the word masturbation, Jason cringes so hard. Like he, <laughs> he leaves the screen, like he cannot deal with it. So... That's this is my equivalent to that. Okay, so, okay. This is your cringe. This is your. Oh cringe. my god! Because I was definitely not aware of this until I looked into it. So okay, when he was like 10, 11, 12, he was in his first romantic relationship, allegedly, allegedly, uh, with a boy, and they would. Oh God, <laughs> I'm fine. I can get through this, guys. <laughs> they would. They would drink their own nah. and each other's urine. No, they would not. And eat their own and no, each no, other's no. feces. Uh-uh. No. No. I'm throwing up. Do you see why I said this is gross? This is gross. The way my butthole cringed. <laughs> like there is, I'm not, I'm not Her even joking. butthole puckers. Oh, hi. I had a dog. Okay, I'm going off topic. Give me two no. seconds. We had a dog in uh, when we lived in Idaho. Uh, mm-hmm. He's beautiful. Love him. Ronan, he's with another family right now that keeps us updated oh. on him because he's adorable and sweet. But that dog, poor thing, he was a stray when we rescued him. Mm-hmm. He would eat his own shit. Listen. And it was the grossest thing. And we were like, dude, we did everything. We like bought all the chews to try to like make his shit t- taste bad. So we went, no, he was just like gobbling it up. And I'm like, buddy, we buy you all the snacks and all the food. Stop eating your shit. <laughs> we buy you all the snacks. Please don't. Like, you are well fed. Oh God, that is disgusting. No, there are technical terms for it that it was called in some like research paper I was reading on this. But uh, yeah, pretty much it just means they ate ate and drank their own and each other's urine and feces. So why? In some ways, Albert, you are what you eat. Okay. That you know what? I would agree with that one. I yeah. just whose idea was this? Like what conversation are these kids having? I was hey, also wondering how do you I get to that point? Shit. Like how do you <laughs> begin that? Does it do you crave it? Is there like a vitamin deficiency? Is there something weird happening? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know much more about it besides that. I was I didn't want to look into it, to be honest. I didn't want to look into it. I don't and I do, and it's morbid curiosity. I can hear you typing. <laughs> I literally have to, because I'm curious and like what yeah. that's called. Because you're like, there's a technical name. I'm like, I have to know. What is it called when you want to? What is it called when you drink your own urine? Or when uh, you eat your own? Coprophobia? Coprophobia? I'm I'm horrible at pronunciation. Entomophobia. Oh oh my gosh! Everybody's listening to this and they're like, "That is not how you say that." They're hurting. (laughs) Entomophagia or corporophagia. I can't speak. Um, But it's the ingestion of feces considered to be a variant of pica. Mm. Not a fan. Should I tell you what else he did? (laughs) Because 
Oh God, we're just getting started. Okay, keep I wanna, going. I mm. want to not talk about that anymore. So gross. Yep, let's get <laughs> Moving on. Okay, dental health. So his other hobbies became, this is when he was a little bit older in his mm-hmm. teenage years. Other hobbies okay. included visiting public pools and watching naked people or like mostly naked boys, mm. like bays and that kind of thing. And he uh. said that he loved the sounds of boys bathing. Boys specifically is my question. Like, doesn't it all sound the same? I don't right? know. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. I don't know. And I also like how you just went on to like his other hobbies, like like eating shit and drinking piss is a hobby. You know... It's that, I mean, it's a conglomerate. He's a creative person. I'll give him that. He did add that to his resume. Yeah. So, all right, moving forward a little bit past that, he also began to answer classified ads in the paper uh, for women that were seeking marriage proposals. So Mm. apparently this used to be a thing where like, yeah, women would be like, I'm looking, it's like E-harmony, but through the newspaper. <laughs> yeah. Which, if you think about it, the 1800s, uh, women still definitely could not vote and no. yeah. couldn't own credit cards or I don't even know if credit cards existed back then, but couldn't have a bank account, couldn't have any of that, couldn't own land, I'm pretty sure. So like they can survive only by having a suitor. Credit cards weren't a thing until the 80s, I'm pretty sure. Really? I'm not even joking. I think I read that somewhere. That's wild. I did not know that. Can't confirm. Can't confirm yeah, right now. Don't hold us on but that. I feel like that was it. So yeah, I can. I can understand. They could only survive by having a suitor. So they're yes. like, marry me. So that makes sense. You got to use the men. Mm-hmm. You got to, girl. I mean, yeah, they hold you down. So yeah, that's all you got. Yeah. So he started answering these classified ads, but he wasn't seriously doing it. He was writing like vulgar sexual letters to the women. Like it was sexual (laughs) harassment via the mail. Snail mail harassment. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh. He got off on writing letters. He loved writing letters. He is the, uh, like he is the founder of like the unsolicited dick pic. But his is is through unsolicited (laughs) porno letters. Oh, God, yeah. Um, So none of the letters were answered, in case you were wondering. No one ever wrote back and said, yeah, you're the the guy for me. Right. But later on, he did admit that he had like a compulsion about writing and sending the obscene letters. And this is like a trend throughout his whole life. So it started when he was a teenager. But I mean, up until the time he died, it was, this is what he did. This was his thing. Writing Ugh. letters. I can't get oh out of my, my head the unsolicited dick pic. Like, yeah. this is the origin story of that. <laughs> Great. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I just um, can't imagine. It, if, I want to know what some of the letters said. I'm curious. And I would pay anything to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> Actually, a fly on the mailbox when that girl goes out to her mailbox and opens it up and starts reading that. Like, we're <laughs> talking 18... 18- end of the 1800s, purity beyond purity standards. And this woman is reading this. Like, I I would pay to see that reaction. Come on. I know. I agree. No, I'd love to see him write to the nuns or something at his... Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I wonder if he ever thought about doing that. Like, 
Um, or like trolling them yeah, or something. His abusers. I yeah. I wouldn't have put it past him. I wonder too if he even thought that they were abusers. I mean, he knew the things they did were wrong, but like sometimes it's hard to think of someone as an abuser when they were a caretaker. Also. Well, especially when it he turned it into like gratification. So he's probably more thankful. Yes, that too. How do you separate that? They awakened this weird thing I love. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so in his 20s, he actually starts doing sex work at bathhouses. I don't understand what a bathhouse is. It sounds like you just bathe, like public bathing? Is that it? Yes. Okay. I think think so because you... Like there was no running water back then. And so they would have bathhouses, I think, for people to pay to come and bathe. Okay. And I'm pretty sure you only bathe like once a week, if that. Oh, God. That was pretty common. I literally can't function if I don't shower my body nightly. Yeah. That's my husband. My husband's very much like every night. I cannot deal with it. Yeah. Like my pits. I just, I can't, I can't deal with it. I'm I'm like every other night, shower, shower. But if I'm like out in the garden or like especially summertime, every night, at least showering my body. My hair, it goes like four or five days. No, my hair, I, Fridays are my wash days. There you go. Today's yeah. the day. Today's, <laughs> Tonight's today's the, the night, day, people. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he does sex work. Okay. Yeah, he starts He starts pursuing a job with, you know, sex work at bathhouses. Uh, he does that well into his 20s. And then he moves to New York. And he continues this sex work. Okay, this part that I'm about to tell you about this New York thing. Uh huh. I'm so what? Where did he live I before have no New words. York? Just in Washington D.C. Washington. Okay, okay, Washington D.C. I couldn't remember what you said. Yeah, where he uh, grew up. I I didn't see any other thing where he had moved. Okay. Away from that area. So I'm assuming. Gotcha. Okay, so he goes to New York. Okay, so he goes to New York and he meets a steamer captain named John Davis. This is in 1894, so he's like 24. And he has this new friend. I think new friend means sexual partner. Yeah, I could see that. From the way it it seemed like it was alluding to a sexual kind of relationship. Gotcha. With this Steam captain. So, okay. So steamy. So, this captain was bragging to Albert that he had an acquired taste for human flesh. So, apparently, he was a captain of a ship that delivered meat to China during a famine or something. And in that time, apparently, the captain admitted to kidnapping and killing children for the meat. And like he was able to, I guess, get away with keeping the meat with him because it was a meat ship. Ew. Yeah. So, I, and he talked about like it was normal. It's like me telling you like, oh, today I just, you know, I worked, I got a new keyboard. I, I uh, ate some no. yogurt earlier. You, I am going to just tell myself that that man was... A compulsive liar. I think that he was lying too. It just... Yeah, you do? I think so. But also, he said something that was a little bit like... Oh, no. Okay, he told him the best part... Oh, my God. Oh, God, no. Oh. The best part of a person... Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me okay. guess. Okay, yeah, guess. Because I really don't remember this. I'm going to guess, but... Yeah. 
That's it. Uh, why did I know? Yeah. Apparently, oh. it's the most tender. Well, I don't believe. I don't believe that that would be the most tender. That doesn't seem right to me either. I feel like the stomach would. It's literally a huge ass muscle. I feel like the stomach or the arms. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I don't want to know. I don't. I don't want to know. So anyway, so he talks about this and he he says it's so good, it's so sweet, like all the things that cannibals describe about human flesh. Uh, So Albert starts getting books on cannibalism and then also, you know, he has this whole love of like serial killers and stuff. So he's constantly like consuming more content on cannibalism and serial killers, how to kill somebody, stuff like that. So this is a match made in hell kind of thing. Right. How do these... This is what I don't understand. And I've heard many other content creators say this who do true crime is like when they cover cases where it's two awful people finding each other. It's like, how did... How? how The universe how, conspires for such... Oh. For such shameful acts to happen, I guess. Mm-mm. I'm not sure, but... And I don't know what happened to the steamer captain. I Maybe it was just like a fling or something because... I didn't see anything else about this because his mom actually gets worried about him. And she's like, you know, you're getting older. You need to marry somebody. So she like does like a little matchmaker thing. (laughs) It's kind of cute. Like she, I think she really did care about him. I don't know what kind of mother she was, but I think she wanted him to have a good life and like have a family and live the American dream in some ways. So... She hooks him up with some girl named Anna Chapman. And so Albert and Anna, you know, they start a life. He goes and gets a job just as like a house painter. They have six kids. He is just settled down now. It's great. Like, they're doing the thing. They popped out six. Dang. And he's self-employed. He's got his house painting business and stuff. And I really don't like that because my husband owns his own painting business. And so I hate that we have something common in him with him. Like, I don't like that. No. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I know. Well, <laughs> we won't think like that. Yeah. <laughs> you only have you only have a couple of kids. kids. You don't have this many. It's fine. Yep. <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> Eventually, because he owns his own business, he commits tax fraud. Oh, well. Yeah. And well, he goes to prison. Oh, he actually <laughs> went to prison for it. Yeah. I mean Dang. Or he went to jail or prison or yeah. something, but Yeah. Yeah, he goes to prison and then he ends up getting out and then the next six to seven years begins to sexually assault young children. Oh my gosh. What like so he do we know if he sexually assaulted children prior to this? There's no record of that. No record of that. To so my it started after knowledge, this. Yeah. What I've come to know at this point in time is that none of that happened. Like, no, he did not hurt other people until this point in time. So like, yeah, he goes, I don't know what happened in prison. I have a feeling that he was maybe sexually assaulted in prison and it triggered something in him where yeah, like maybe. all of those, maybe like all that trauma from when he was a kid suddenly started yeah. to resurface. Like he'd been able to dull it and disassociate by settling down with Anna, having his own kids to focus on, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think something might have snapped in him a little bit when yeah. he went to prison. Did Anna stay with him while he was in prison? In I have more. 
Okay, I okay. Have, I'm I have more. Again. This is, okay, so when he's assaulting these young children, he keeps moving on to other people, but he moves to more more vulnerable demographics, not just mm-hmm. kids. So like minorities, people with mental disabilities, people of oh color, people that are poor, like homeless people and prostitutes and what have you. Uh, being self-employed allowed him to get away with a lot of this and to target these demographics because he could choose what area he was going to work in, you know? Yeah. So that sucks. That's not a tax oh. write-off. Don't do yeah. that. Right? Yeah. Jesus. This is when he really gets into his, you know, sexual sadism period of time. Mm, uh, this not is not BDSM. Be Let me go ahead and say this. Yeah. This is not, this is non-consensual. This is torture rape. This is yeah. not like one of those consensual type of like acting out a rape or something like that. It's yeah. nothing, it's nothing consensual. He admitted that in 1910 was his first sadistic rape. So let me think. He would have been... Because he's 30. He would have been almost 40. 40. Yeah. Jeez. It was a 19-year-old male. His name was Thomas. He lured Thomas to a farmhouse and tortured him for two weeks. Two weeks? Two full weeks. And then he cut off half of Thomas's penis... He poured peroxide onto it, left him $10, and kissed him goodbye. No, the fuck he did not. And walked away. No. I mean, I don't... Did we ever find out about... Did you say his name was Thomas? Yes. Like, do we ever find out how he did or, like, survived or whatever? Like, anything? I'm pretty sure that Thomas actually did report it, and he, like, s- described... The person. I don't think that he had his name, though. I don't think that mm-hmm. he get. He came up with all yeah. sorts of like fake names he in did. like yeah, the period of time of which he was hurting people. So like, it's very possible he just gave a fake name, and so maybe Thomas reported it was this guy, but that person doesn't exist. Kind of thing. He literally cut off his penis. He cut half of it off, and it's like poured peroxide uh, on it. I, I so it's can't. like. Well, thanks for that, but like, what? And where is half the penis? Where is the half? Did you eat it? What happened? No, no. What did you, Uh did you shove it up your butthole? I need (laughs) to know. Where is it? Oh, God, he probably did. He He gave him $10, too. That's a lot of cash. That's a lot. Oh, right. That was in 1910, right? 1910. Do you know the conversion for that? We did the conversion 19, last time too. We did. 19, for like millions 10. of dollars. <laughs> uh, okay, I feel like it'd be 10. like 50 bucks. Am I right? I, I am betting $10 in 1910. Holy shit. $319.33 no. today. Inflation is fucked. <laughs> that, that, that's fucking crazy. That's okay. So that that's a $10. lot. $10. And then kissed him goodbye. Ew. Yeah. Ew, Why it's so that, gross. Big it's not just, vibes. It's not just gross. It's like so creepy to to end it that way. Like, I'm going to leave you money and I'm going to give you a kiss goodbye. Like that. It just, it seems like he mm-hmm. thinks that it's normal. It's like he doesn't. Mm-hmm. But he does. 
I yeah, know that he, like knows he knows that it's wrong. I know he knows, but like he acts like it's not. Very <sighs> manipulative, very yeah. emotionally immature, low vibes, big mm. yuck. I hate that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, so at this time, he is still married with the six kids, but Anna starts to catch on and she's like, you think? the hell are you doing out there? <laughs> right. So in 1912, this is just two years later, they've been married for six years total. She divorces Albert. Divorce is mm. not common. It is not acceptable. And it's extremely hard, like you said That's before, true. for women to, you know, be able to support themselves. So you have to know that this was a bad situation. And she was seeing things that maybe we don't really know about. Right. And that she didn't report. Maybe it was embarrassing for her to even think about him doing certain things or like him asking her to do certain things like in bed maybe. Oh, and she's like, oh, dude, you're fucked. That That's a good yeah. point. I never thought about it that way, but that's I true. Mean, I'm trying to think from her perspective because like even when I got divorced, it, it was, there was shame piled onto me and that was in 2018, mm-hmm. 2019. Yeah. So, I'd hate to think about being in the early 1900s and having to deal with the backlash from not only the church, because right. I feel like, you know, whether or not she was a churchgoer, that was That's a church-centered community that they were in. So like, it was yeah. just gonna, it was gonna be yeah. bad. That's what I was gonna ask, because I can't remember if we know if they were like, quote unquote, religious people and they went and, you know, were part of the church community and things like that. I don't remember ever hearing that when I first heard about this case. I did not see anything about him being re- religious. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna see right now. I'm trying to figure out if she. Oh, stop! I was so wrong. I was so wrong. You were. Fish was described as a religious fanatic who attempted <gasps> to justify his horrendous actions through scripture. No, I never heard that. Hold on. This is a, okay, I'm quoting AIAFS.com. It's an article on behavioral health, the psychology of Albert Fish. I read over this, but I may have missed that part. There's so much, and so many people have covered Albert Fish that like, it's, that is, I, I don't remember hearing that. That's crazy. We literally are covering this case, guys, because we knew that it was the um, the Catholic Church. And so, like, that was kind of a pinpoint of his deviant awakening. And so, that was at the Ugh. hands of the Catholic Church. That's the whole reason we were coming out. We had no idea that he was a religious fanatic. Yeah. His horrendous actions, he would justify through Bible scripture. He believes that God ordered him to torment and castrate little boys. Oh. <gasps> uh-uh. How, what? There's there's nothing about what scripture he's trying to quote exactly that is justifying that. So, and you know what? As somebody, as somebody that grew up in the Church of Christ, I know scripture like the back of my hand. I could quote right. you a lot of it right now, but I don't remember anything that could possibly equate to that besides maybe circumcisions, but not castration. I was just about to say, the story of like who, what was the the king that told the guy to go like bring him like what was it sixty four foreskins? A bunch of for the, for no, his... it was two hundred foreskins. Oh my god, two hundred foreskins. Yeah, it was two hundred. So yeah, and I still don't know 
what he did with any of the foreskins. Did you keep them in a box? Did you eat them? Did you shove them up your butt? I've got to stop asking those questions. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, my question is, and this is the hard part, because like, uh, I've always you know, been taught that the Bible is literal and like you you read it literally, yep. like it is mm-hmm. the word of God, it is an inerrant, blah, blah, blah. I don't believe that anymore. But even with the perspective of like the Bible isn't literal and that it's literature. And so if we take it in a literal way, then we're missing a lot of the beauty that the Bible has for yeah. us. I'm like, okay, I can't, what was another meaning for that story? Like what what was the message behind the message of like go collect me some foreskins? I can't like why? Four score and seven years ago. <laughs> four hundred penis tips. <laughs> the penis tips, the penis tips. That's that's my new theme song. Save <laughs> <laughs> so your intro. Oh yeah. my god. Okay. Wow. So he was a religious fanatic. Yeah. And he justified it with scripture that he never exactly quoted, it doesn't seem. So, where are we? Here's the thing. She left him. Yes, okay, she left him. Anna left him, but she left him with the kids. She wanted a new life set apart from this. There was said to be infidelity on her part, perhaps, and that's also why she was more okay with like putting him away. Mm-hmm. with divorcing him because she had something else to go to. Oh, I don't man. have a confirmed report of infidelity on Anna, but you know what, girl? Um, if he subjected you to gross things in bed, hey, I've been there. I've been there right? too. So oh, um, sorry. if you I had to not. get out, I, I got you. I got you. Yeah. So. But, the, okay, I, I'm like, I feel How do you, you leave your kids? Also, sorry. Yeah, that's, I can't. Oh, that's, and I, my first thought was like, okay, it's the 1800s, like, or now early 1900s, right? So like, I can understand like she doesn't have a way to provide for him. But if she had a guy on the side and she was going to somebody else, she did have a way to provide. So that's kind of fun. I wish I had more of her version of the story and more right. of her testimony on it, all of this because there's literally, it's just Albert's word against hers. I mean, this all could be wrong. Yeah, he could have true. said, I'll kill you if you take my kids. And she just said, have them. Like, I can't yeah. do this with you. And she could have like, had just feelings and not mm-hmm. any, you know, like actual facts of anything that he's done. Of course, yeah. And I'm probably going to like, uh, spoiler something for you, but he'd never hurt his children, right? No, I was just no. about to get into that. Yeah, so he didn't hurt his children. So I could see like if she was like, okay, I'm just crazy, but I also don't love him. So like, I got to go. Like, I, 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 I Yeah, I mean, he... Hard. He was reported to be a good father, even in the days where he had confessed to his crimes. Uh, you know, his kids, when they were questioned about all of this, even as adults, you know, they recounted a good childhood with him. He never yeah. laid a hand on them. He never touched them inappropriately. I mean, unless they're just like all disassociating and covering that in their mind, I believe yeah. them because a believe lot of them. them were heartbroken about his, you know, being, the truth, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were very upset to hear all this and I think it threw a lot of them off guard. So yeah, uh, obviously after she left, he was deeply hurt. You know, this is probably his first love that's a girl, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the mother of his been married kids, for a long time. Six years, you know, like they'd built a life and everything. So this 
kind of stripped away a lot of normalcy for him, which he didn't have a lot of in the beginning of his life. So uh, he began eating raw meat. He, oh God. Some reports say that he did feed his kids raw meat. I think maybe he said if you want to, but I don't think he forced them to because their accounts of it are like, he never made us do anything kind of thing. Like it wasn't an abusive kind of thing. So I have a feeling that he ate raw meat and he said, if you guys want to eat it, you can too. Kind of thing. And they were like, dad, you're fucking crazy. I'm not eating that. (laughs) I think so. Um, He (laughs) also began to stab himself in the testicles with big needles And later on an x-ray, they had discovered 29 needles that were completely shoved up inside his anus and scrotum. No. That whole area. Yeah. 29? What are you doing, boy? My, my, my butt's puckered again. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Why? 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 (laughs) You know, it's hard to actually hurt yourself. Uh Even if you want to hurt yourself. Yeah. Because like your body instinctively fights that whole, like, your body wants to survive. So I'm just thinking the amount of pressure or, like, I guess motivation that had to go into actually shoving them completely up inside of himself. It was... uh, 29. They found 29. 29. In between his scrotum and his anus in that small area. All in that area, yeah. Uh, Like, testicle, what is that? The taint, the the butthole, everything. The taint, yes. Uh, I'm assuming. I've never, I still don't really understand scrotum. <laughs> I, is that I, your ball sack? Is that what it is? I mean, is that? we're learning so much today, guys. <laughs> I was about to call my boyfriend here and be like, is a scrotum your ball sack? <laughs> <laughs> what is a scrotum? <laughs> Nobody. Penis can't. taint balls. Scro- scrotum is the ball sack. Yep. It's okay. the back of oh the ball. Oh my God. I think it's in the his whole balls? That's oh even worse. God. So they were just floating around there. Just I wonder if he float. ever tried to castrate himself. That would, it, he's shoving needles in his anus, his taint, and his scrotum. There's. He was trying to castrate other people. I just wonder if he did it to himself. So moving on. Um, Sorry. Um, so they were most likely there for years, these needles. So. Jot that down. Um, He would also play games with his children. But like the games would be like, they would be like a simple game, like maybe a trivia game or something. And if he got the question wrong or something, he would want them to spank him or hurt him. You could technically call that abuse. Yes. Emotional abuse. He. Yeah. He has a sexual gratification from this. And his kids are playing part in that. Yeah. I don't think any of them were aware of this. Like, But still. Still, it is an issue. I take issue yeah. with it as well. I think, because one of his daughters, I think, was quoted saying, like, he used to play games with us, and we didn't really get the point of it, but we were so little, we just didn't really think anything of it. We thought it was silly when he'd say, yeah. you know, like, hit me with this thing or whatever. Right. And... I think maybe the way he portrayed it to them, it was like, this is so silly kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't think that they understood what was going on. But I'm going to bring this to religious trauma and make a reference of, so like when we're taught stuff growing up that like, Mm -hmm. this is what you do, X, Y, Z. And we're like, okay, this is what we do because this is what we're told. We didn't realize how traumatic 
those beliefs were until, until later we got out later in life and we were like, yeah. oh my God, okay, that affected me this way and this way and this way. That's exactly what's happening with these poor children because they did not understand it in the moment. They were not abused themselves physically or sexually. But now as adults, they have to sit with the fact that they partook in physically hurting their father in order for him to achieve sexual gratification. So they, in a way, got their father off. Yes. That, that's abuse. That's abuse. That's, and that's disgusting. Trauma they, I can't even fucking fathom. So they weren't tortured, but they were traumatized in a different way. Yeah. Which could be debatably worse. Oh, God. So as a single father, he starts to like work out more. But also while he's doing this, he's creating torture tools. Ew. Like little hellish kind of tools. Um, are like, these for himself or others? These are or both. F- to be used on others for torture. Okay. So like, oh. uh, if anyone watches Stranger Things, you know the weapons that they make to hurt the Demogorgon with the, like Steve with the, the nails and the bat and the like bat. Yeah. leather strap things and stuff. Yes. All of that is kind of, think of that, that's happening with Albert at this point. Uh, He's creating tools such as this. That's Albert Fish's arsenal. Yes. No. So he's like creating these kind of things. Also, so he's starting to, so he's kind of in his later 40s, I think. He's not quite 50. Um, He starts looking in paper ads for these women again. Okay. He's back on his bullshit with the letters pretty much. But oh. <laughs> now, now he's he actually is looking for a match in this oh. whole thing. Um, but okay. now he's literally telling these women, I want to torture and rape kids. <gasps> he says that in the letters? Yeah. So he's yeah. actively trying to find a wife while also like sexually uh, harassing women through letters and also confessing to want to torture and rape children. What a fucking letter to get. Gross. But wow. get this, he ends up getting married again. Oh, God. Who oh, yeah. does he marry? Oh, yeah. I don't think I got her name, actually. I okay. got, he ended up marrying again near 1915 and starts getting more painting jobs. Like, he's getting a little more successful with his career. So, he's commissioned to, um, he's commissioned by the Second Presbyterian Church in I can't say it right. I think it's Chapake, New York. Okay, that sounds right. I think that's how you say it. Uh, to yeah. paint murals on the church ceiling. So he's doing his whole like... Okay, he's not just like painting painting. No, he's like my an husband. artist, apparently. Okay, okay. Then he is nothing like my husband because my Go husband off. just paints... He's an artist, but he doesn't paint murals. So it's totally different. We have I think he might have started as just like painting outside and inside of houses. Don't tell me that. <laughs> he went creative. It's fine. I want to know... I want to know what he created, though. So I know, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the part where it, I did have it in here in my notes. I'm just oh, crazy. Look at so, you. So, you know, he believes, so he's painting angels, because it's very, like, church-esque, you know? Yeah. Little yeah, cherubs pres- and things. It's a Presbyterian church that he's painting. The mural's at, right? Yeah. Okay, his second wife left him shortly after they were married. But mm. this one, 
sent him over the edge a bit because he started to believe that the angels he painted were urging him to commit crimes in the name of St. John. Mm. So he thought that John was telling him to commit crimes, and then he was using Scripture to justify it. So he thought that it was a calling in the name of God and that I have to do this. This is my service to the Lord in some ways. Uh, Okay. I wonder if he did that. He It was his way of justifying the evil things in him. I think so. And make himself feel better about it. Either. He still still knew it was wrong. I've got two theories on this. Either this is hallucinogenic from his mother's side and it's starting Mm -hmm. to form because his mother was around 40 when it, I believe she was around 40 when all of her hallucinations started to surface. So I think maybe there was a connection there with like onset mental illness or he used it with his insanity plea and like this was made up. Yeah. Because we didn't know any of this until he confessed. He... Okay. We didn't know any of this information until later on. I'm going to say it was not mental illness because I know a lot of those mental illnesses do pop up when you're younger, especially when you're hearing voices. It's usually in your early 20s um, or mid-20s that they pop up. And if I'm doing the math correctly, his mom, if you said there was a 43-ish year difference between her and her husband and his the dad died at 75, then she would have only been 30 like... 30 or something. Yeah. Late 20s, yeah. Late, yeah, which is right... It's in your 20s that this that stuff pops up, that you start to have manic episodes. And so he was already like, what, 19, 16? So he was like 46 at this point. So that's way, way later than his mom. So I'm going to guess that it was... That it wasn't a mental illness, in my you opinion. Think it was I'm a lie. Say, I think it was a lie, and it, it was, or it was truth to him, yeah, in order to make himself feel better about what he did. Kind of lying to yourself and yeah. creating your own truth that's not mm-hmm. tangible and realistic truth. Yeah, it's like brainwashing himself, saying yes. it over and over again makes him believe that. Yeah, compulsive liar, pretty much. So yeah. Okay, so in 1924, he's around 54 years old and he's presenting himself like as a nice granddad. He's all polite and like he looks harmless pretty much. He's welcoming. 1924. Oh God, yeah, okay. So he's around 54 at this time. Okay. So around this time, he's living in Staten Island, New York, or like on the outskirts. And there's an eight-year-old boy named Francis that's playing on his porch. And Albert is just hobbling by and he's like muttering to himself and things of that mm-hmm. nature. His mother saw, you know, Francis's old mom. man over there. Yeah. Old man. Take take an account, you know. Later, this boy doesn't come home from playing ball and like going to school and stuff. And so uh his mom is like, Where the fuck is my kid? <laughs> so you know, she she remembers Albert and she's like, mm, I don't know if that's relevant, but okay, let's see. But she made uh, note of it. She made note of it. So, oh God, this is gross. Yep. <sighs> I'm fine. <laughs> I, know, I know where this goes. So, I'm sorry. Oh. Albert at a later time confessed to this, but he was never caught for this. Um, and I don't mm-hmm. believe that he was tried for this. But later on, someone did find 
uh, Francis in the woods nearby. He was strung up by the suspenders on his, like, overalls. Oh, God. And he was sexually assaulted, strangled, mutilated, and the back of his thigh was completely stripped away. Oh. Just one of his thighs. And he was six? He's eight, I believe. Eight. Oh, my god. That's what I read, that he was around eight, so... Yeah, he he was that, never caught. Uh, Unfortunately, poor Francis. I tell you, I tell you. I the I I that take me out, kill me, take I, me out now. I wouldn't like as a mother if that was my children. Like as I would want to be present for my other children, but I can't imagine having to live with that trauma, knowing that it's that's horrendous. Like I, I, there was no dignity. There was no. I don't respect for that child. I just hate to think of the fear that was going through that kid's head. You know? That's the part that really like guts me. As an ex-Christian, and even when I was like deconstructing and like I'd still identified as a Christian, I stopped believing in hell. And that sometimes is really hard for me to not believe in hell because I want hell to exist for a very select few people. I also think about that. And Albert Fish is one of them. Like, he can burn for eternity. Like, sure. Yeah. I support that a thousand percent. Yeah. No redemption. I feel similarly (sighs) in a lot of ways. Um, And it makes me sometimes have to eat my words with the whole I don't believe that evil Mm -hmm. people are a thing. But Mm. sometimes things like this make me doubt myself in that way. Okay, he was never caught for this, um, but he did get a nickname, a new one. Jot that down. Um, in the paper, he was called the Gray Man because he was just a gray old little man kind of thing. Gray Man. Oh, my gosh. During this time, like when that little boy, they didn't know who killed him, they nicknamed him the Gray Man. Yeah. Because they were... Yeah. Um, okay, okay, so they were trying to find him, so they nicknamed him Gray Man. They were trying to find who this was, and... All she could describe is this gray man, gray little old man. So, and I'm um, sure everybody was like, she's not seeing right. Like, what old man could do this? You know, like, I think, yeah, they probably were kind of like, eh, circumstantial, not quite Mm -hmm. the vibe because you didn't see them interact or anything. So, right. It didn't compute. But Mm. what do I know? His next killing that was reported uh, was Billy. Billy and his friend were playing on the roof and they, I don't know why he didn't take both of them, but I'm assuming Billy was maybe smaller because he can, he kidnapped 50 Billy. something. Okay. And he's 50 something. So it's easier to take one than that two. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's easier See? to hold one mouth shut than have to. Oh, very hold true. Two. Especially if they're yeah. kicking and fighting, which I'm mm, sure that Billy which? was. So the searches began. You know, and and they're like, you know, what happened with Billy? And his friend says, you know, the boogeyman took him. Here's another nickname, the boogeyman. <laughs> oh my gosh, the gray man, the boogeyman. Oh. Yeah. So they, they can't find him. He was never found. Mm, never found. Which is so hard. Um, Albert eventually did say, oh my God, this was the worst one for me. It makes yeah. me... I'm remembering <laughs> now what he did with that little boy. And I'm like... Wow. It's hard for me to say, but I need to say it. We need yeah. to talk about it because we need to talk about what happened to Billy and that Billy didn't deserve this. So Billy, unfortunately, was taken to a dump 
and he was stripped naked, gagged. His clothes and shoes were burned. And um, Billy was four. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier, but Billy was only four years old. So Albert left him at the dump for four days, I think. No, two days. So sorry. Yeah, he he went home uh, to get his, like, torture tools and stuff. Uh, He came back a little bit later and brought what's called a cat o nine tail cat of nine tails yeah cat of nine tails or something uh yeah but he could only make six tails apparently so it wasn't true (laughs) i I don't know i don't know what was happening with that but he whipped billy he cut on yeah hold on he left billy at the dump went home Okay, hold on. He w- took Billy to the dump, stripped him, beat him, raped him, all of that. Left him there. Burned his clothes. Went ho- Burned his clothes. Gagged went him. home, got him all his little torture shit. And then you said went back two days later? It was either two days or one day later. But he was alive. But yeah. He was alive. He was. In the dump. He was In alive. Dump. In the dump. I want to uh, give him a kiss. I want to hold him. I'm so oh sorry, Billy. Oh my God, this poor kid. Okay, so he goes back. So he goes back. He whips Billy. He cuts off his ears and nose and gouges <gasps> out his eyes and then slits his mouth ear to ear and Billy died there. Oh. But he wasn't done with Billy. No, Albert couldn't be done with Billy. He takes Billy's face, his belly, his genitals, and his bum to eat. And discards the rest of his no, body didn't. on a beach. Hold on. He took the body mm-hmm. out of the dump. Mm-hmm. It's already in a dump to yeah. discard it on a beach. That don't make no fucking sense. I don't know what that was either. I'm thinking maybe like logistically after he cut up the body that like mm-hmm. he, he took it to another place to cut it up. Because he knew he was going to eat it. So I think he took it home oh, and then maybe nearby his okay, home. Okay, that makes more sense. Because he's in that, Staten Island. So I'm assuming mm, maybe okay. he lives like semi-close to a beach. Also I'm, that, I'm not sure. Honestly, I I wish he would have just cut it up in the in the dump and then he, the meat would have, the body, not meat, it was a boy. Billy. The boy's flesh, Billy, would have gotten some kind of toxic disease like, from the dump. Like really horrible too and like... It, and, and Albert died Giving him a horrible it. disease. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible, slow death slow disease death. kind of thing. No, because he would have enjoyed that. Never mind. I hate God, everything. Damn it. I hate this guy. We can't but, win with him. You can't. This um, is why I want to believe in hell. I just want to say one last thing about it. He ate Billy over a period of four days. Ew. And so, like I said, he got the nickname The Boogeyman from Billy's friend who was trying to describe the person that took Billy. I'm assuming this kid was also around maybe four or five and didn't know exactly how to describe. Somebody, yeah. He just knew that was scary. And someone took my friend. (sighs) I tell you. I, mm, this guy. God rest Billy's soul. Mm. Mm. Okay, so... Yeah, he he keeps killing pretty constantly, apparently. But like, Look, he's um, not getting caught, so he, that's the why thing. Not? He he's just so like not 
alarming looking. You know, the whole stranger danger thing? Yeah. It's, it didn't it didn't compute here. So No, he's this frail old man. Oh, it's cute old old man. No. And Stay he's away. just so he was so sweet, I think, yeah. too, like in his demeanor. I think he was a little bit not charming, but just like sweet to people mm-hmm. at first. So Ugh. okay, in his sixties, he plans to get an eighteen year old named Edward. He he put out an ad in the paper pretending to be a farmer and he's offering a job mm-hmm. that pays like $15 a week, room and board. Like this is a sweet gig. I thought you were about to say $15 an hour and I was like, fuck. <laughs> no, but okay, given that $10 an hour is now 300 in today's money. So 15 is like 500 and something dollars a week. At least. So yeah. that's like, that would be what, 2,000-ish dollars a month. So yeah. That's that's a lot. Yeah. And if room and board is covered, that like you have hit the jackpot yes. on that job. Shit. So when he puts in this ad, he doesn't put his name. He he puts Frank instead of Albert. So but I think he keeps the last name. I think it's Frank Fish. So yeah, he he puts that out. And this 18-year-old Edward, he responds to the ad and he gets hired. So Albert is going to Edward's house. And um, he brings, you know, gifts from his fake farm. So he brings like cheese and strawberries and all that stuff that you might would encounter on a farm. He's trying to sell this thing hardcore. And he he literally just like picked it up from a Pretty, farmer's market. I think so, yeah. He picked it up from another farmer who probably <laughs> actually did need a farmhand. It would have right? paid, maybe not that much, but would have paid, you know, some money. So... Yeah, uh, the family was charmed, you know, and asked him, you know, why don't you stay for a while and eat dinner and all that? So while he's staying, Albert actually meets Edward's little sister, Grace. And she, you know, she she's very tiny and she's so cute. And she immediately, she liked Albert. She sat in his lap and she was like talking with him and like no. they were making each other laugh, you know, and... They just got along kind of thing. So oh, I don't like this. He, you know where it's going. I he know decides, where it's going. You know what? She's so much easier to target than Edward. Mm-hmm. This is the one I'm going to go with kind of thing. So no. he goes away and then he's like, I'm going to come back and get Edward. I don't know how much time it passed. Maybe it's just a day or so. He's like, I'm going to come back tomorrow and get him early and, you know, we'll go back to the farm and stuff and whatever. So he comes back the next day. And so he's talking with them. He's hanging out with them a little bit. And then he's like, you know what? I actually have to go. I forgot I have my niece's birthday party. Um, do you mind if I go to that? And then I'll come back and get Edward this evening and then go to the farm. Oh. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. That That works for us. So... Then he, like, before leaving, he just, like, <laughs> I feel like this was so scripted <laughs> for him. Uh, probably but he's was. just like, wait a second. You know, <laughs> my, my niece is around your age, Grace. Uh, would, Grace, would you like to come with me? I think you'd no. really like it. Uh, he's Danger, so gross. Danger, Robinson. Danger. He is so gross. Run. Oh, my God. And she, oh, my God. You know, like, little girls, they get so excited about oh, going yeah. to a birthday party. I mean, why not, you know? Yeah. So and she's she was like, how old? 
I think she was five. I think she was five. I mean, she was tiny. Like she was younger. Little, yeah. You could probably find her age. I don't think I put it in here though. Okay. But she was she was younger. I mean, she's okay. very unsuspecting. She was. I'm. I would bet a great percentage that's around five. Yeah. So she's. She's small. She's also anemic. So like she she gets weak kind of easy. So that's another thing. So it makes her a little bit more of a target for being so vulnerable. Grace Bud, she was 10 years old. Was she 10? Okay. She was 10. Well, oh God, I hate this. I hate this. Oh, I know. Okay. So he's like, okay, we're going to go to the birthday party. When it's done, you know, I'll come back. I think he said at like eight or nine at night, he was going to come back. So... Nine o'clock arrives. They're running a little bit late. No big deal. 10 o'clock. Okay, this is fine, I guess. It, it's okay. We'll just keep waiting. 11. I'm getting worried. 12, she's not home. Ugh. This is bad. So the panic sets in. Grace's mom is like, I mean, you know what you would be like. When you lose your kids for like five seconds, I would be it's over. hysterical. It's over. I'd be so, I'd manic. That's where she is. She's in that mindset of like, where is my baby kind of thing. So she gives, um, she gives like the name to the police and she's like, this is who she was last with. And they're like, I got no record of that guy in this state, in this wherever. I got nothing. Can you imagine? They're just shit out of luck. Yeah. So no one saw Grace again. The parents, (sighs) you know, after they... Frank Howard, not Frank Fish. He changed it to Frank Howard. So it was part of his name. Yeah, it was part of his name. It was just not entirely truthful. So it kind of is going cold a little bit. They don't have any leads on this. So the media picks it up and a detective was assigned to the case named William Key. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to find a lead. He's trying to figure out what went wrong, but there's not much to go off of. So a report comes in. <laughs> this is the pettiest shit. So, like, oh, a report gosh. comes in from, like, it's on a 66-year-old guy named Charles Pope. And they're pretty much trying to link him to the case because his wife set him up. Oh, in a way. <laughs> She's so petty. Like, petty listen. Bitch. Pope's wife actually made up the entire thing about him being involved with Grace. He didn't commit any crime. Yeah. Oh, my Great. gosh. <laughs> Love that so oh, much. So crazy. That just also gives them, like, hope and then right back down. Right. They, they right. think they're getting somewhere and then not. Albert is still out here killing and eating. He gets married for a third time. But it is not the charm. Okay, good. Because I'm like, who the heck is, like, I want some of that. No, you don't. How do you keep pulling people? That's my thing. Also, I would be terrified that in intercourse, he'd be stabbing me with some fucking needles. Yeah, what if he tries to put needles up your vajayjay? Not just that. He's got needles stuck in his fucking ball sack. He's going to Oh my like, God. Right? Oh my no. God. No, thank no. you. I don't think so. <laughs> I bet he sucked in bed. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I bet he sucked. <laughs> I bet so. Yeah, he met her through a matchmaking service, not his mother, because I'm pretty sure she was not alive anymore. Yeah, I would think. They were married for like a week. So, <laughs> y- 
you've got to know that something freaky happened on the honeymoon. He he was losing it, I'm guessing, as he got older and he wasn't hiding it as well. And she was like, bitch, you are crazy. I'm gone. Like, can't, mm -mm, yeah. Nope. So thankfully she got out. I hope unharmed, you know. Right. But Albert, like, amid all of this chaos, he got arrested two more times, other than the whole tax fraud thing. Two more times he was arrested for obscene letters that he was writing. So, like I said, this is a thing that he can't let go of. <laughs> He's got to do this. <laughs> he wrote under false names, but his handwriting was obvious. So it was like, oh, Albert, can you stop doing that? Yeah, that kind of we thing. know it's so, you, you dipshit. Yeah, they ended up committing him to a hospital where they determined that he did know right from wrong. Mm -hmm. At this point, it is 1934, and Grace is still missing. It's six years later that she's oh. still not found. <sighs> Frank Howard, though, resurfaces suddenly. No, he does not. And he reaches out to Grace's family. <gasps> I, didn't, I forgot he did that. Yeah, his letter writing has taken a new turn that's even darker than normal. So, Oh, you punk-ass bitch. <laughs> say more. <laughs> oh, no. So he reaches out to Grace's family in a letter and includes every gory detail about Grace's death. He tells them about like the steam captain famine thing from years ago and went into like details about like uh, uh. when he met Grace and how he wanted to eat her and how he took her to an empty house, got naked, stripped her naked, strangled her, and then chopped her up and ate her over nine days. You guys can't see my face, but I'm literally just like She's shot got on nothing. the floor. She's got nothing. She's. This, I just. This is gutting. His escalation of his sadisticness is just unmatched because it's like, why are you sending this letter to her parents other than you're getting gratification out of their pain? That's the thing. Like all grief. of the letters are to make people uncomfortable and inflict some sort of like pain or distress on them. So mm -hmm. it's like he couldn't resist anymore. I think he knew eventually he was going to get caught too. So like, uh -huh. I think he just, you know, with the whole, with the way it all ends too, I think he wanted to be caught because he wanted to be killed. Mm, I think yeah. that was yeah. maybe like a, a plan in the back of his mind that he was hoping for. Like his end, ultimate end goal. Yeah. And... Because he knew the game's coming to an end. Like, I'm getting too old for this shit. I can't do this anymore. So... Yeah. So he... One thing, though, he didn't sexually assault Grace. Oh. Which was new for his whole game because everybody else he did. Okay, but I'm just making this connection. This is the first female. Yeah. I don't think he knows what to do with the vagina. Not at so all. So he's like, I... Mm -mm. That's probably why. But he gets off on the torture and... Here's the good news. I've got some gospel for us here. Okay, here we go. With the letter that he wrote to Grace's family and with the other letters that he, you know, harassed other women with, they uh -huh. all brought it back together. But it said Frank Howard. And they were mm -hmm. like... Who the fuck is Frank Howard? Is this a different... Per Are you the same person? I don't know anymore. So... Albert's landlady actually reached out to police and said, hey, I'm holding on to a letter for him and, and stuff like that. So, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> and 
then they were able to figure out through that letter that like, oh, you're the same person. No wonder the handwriting matches. We got them. The, oh, the game is afoot. God. Just kidding. It's solved. So at 65 years old, he should have been retiring. He should have been a normal old man. But no, he got arrested. And he is only arrested right now for the kidnapping slash possible murder. Just over Grace. Grace. It's just yeah, over Grace. It. They don't know anything else. They don't know the Pandora's box they are about to open. No, they don't even. I mean, mm-hmm. can you imagine going into work that day? You're like, okay. All right, we got a guy. Okay, he's he's confessed to the. We got him. It's all good. We solved the case. We'll find where she is. We'll give her proper burial. No, no, no. Yeah. When he sits down, he just immediately cracks and says, "You know, he confessed to 15 murders. He says I've at least done probably a hundred disfigurements, and I've molested about 400 children." I can't believe that number. I don't either. I think that's the side of me that's like, there's no way. But like, truth is stranger than fiction. And it could be true. But I don't want to believe it's true. It seems like it's a large number, especially like he was acting on, you know, he he was doing all of these things for decades. So I I guess, yeah, I feel like the bulk of it happened when he was a house painter. Mm -hmm. For some reason, like, Little kids. I'm thinking little kids and yeah. the disabled. I'm thinking the majority of it happened then. And when he got older, it just became more gruesome versus like, it was, uh, it was quality over quantity for him. I hate yeah. that I just said that, but I really think that's what happened. Cause like with age, obviously, that. he's got a hard labor job. His body's getting worn out. He can't physically do a lot of the things that maybe he did when he was younger. And I'm wondering if he was so hyperbolic of, you know, and inflating his numbers Mm -hmm. so that he was like for sure going to get the death penalty. That's true, yeah. So he could just like, that was his ultimate goal. I wonder. Yeah, because I don't think he was doing this for clout. Like some serial killers would want to be that face and have that nickname and be like, you're going to remember me. But I don't think he wanted that. It was really sexual pleasure at the end of the day. It was pain for himself and for others to bring sexual gratification. I feel like that was the whole end goal for anything that he did. He is a fucked up human. Just, I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. He said that, oh, he gave Grace's bones whereabouts. That was it. He gave the whereabouts and they were able to confirm with dental records, this is Grace. That it was so Grace. they did find Grace's bones and they were able no. to lay her to rest properly. So that is some good news. Oh. Uh, it's bad and good. You know, it gives right. closure to that family, of course, and lays her to rest in a respectful manner like she deserves. But it was unnecessary. Um, at his trial, he was only tried for Grace's death. And this became a public affair to remember. He got a new nickname. He actually got a couple more. He got the Brooklyn Vampire for his cannibalism. Uh, He got Moon Maniac because apparently he ate raw meat, especially when a full moon was present. Oh my God, he's so weird. I don't know how that came up in conversation for them. Also, the vampire doesn't make sense because vampires drink blood. They're not... I'm thinking Cannibal he did They're... drink the blood of, of his victims too before uh, 
Ew. Eating the flesh. I'm not going to be able to have these words are leaving my mouth. I know, right? And then he was called Werewolf of Wisteria. The same thing with the like (gasps) raw meat and the full moon thing. I have heard that one. I forgot about that nickname. I feel like that's too, I feel like that's such a stretch. Like these last three nicknames, I'm like, uh, I don't get it. But the papers back then were so hyperbolic. They had to fudge it up for sure. They They had to fudge it up. (laughs) They did. Oh, they exploited and blew everything out out of the waters. For sure. It's crazy. So his defense attorney claimed that Albert was not responsible for the acts that he did because remember back years ago when he was in that psych facility they committed him to. Yeah. They had determined, you know, he's all good. So he, the defense was blaming that facility for allowing him to leave and giving an improper diagnosis because when he left there, he committed several heinous acts kind of thing. So they tried to go with that. Nice try. That's a stretch. That did not work out though at all. He knew right from wrong. I mean, uh, his children were questioned. They claimed, obviously, they were never abused or sexually assaulted. (laughs) This ties back into the full moon, uh, moon maniac, werewolf thing. Uh, Some of his kids reported they saw their father naked, calling himself Christ, and eating raw meat on the full moon. They also Uh... did find his um, some of his torture devices. Oh, God, I can't. I don't. Mm -mm. Don't I don't want to be that cop who was like, "What is this box?" Oh, I shit. mean, really? I hope I didn't. Oh, I wish I didn't open that. Yeah, uh, his <sighs> trial was about ten days. He was convicted and sentenced to death at the age of sixty-six. That was in nineteen thirty-six. This case is almost a hundred years old. It's climbing. Oh my gosh, it is. Yeah, it's very it's close climbing to that. in age. That's crazy, Albert said that he was very excited to experience death, calling it the supreme thrill to die by electric chair. See? We gave him what he wanted. They really did. I mean, there was no way to actually punish this man, I don't Uh -uh. think, because he had turned punishment into pleasure no matter what that meant for him. I like maybe sticking him in in like a rubber room where he like literally cannot hurt himself and then just play the song over and over and over again, like all day and all night. Like, this is a song that never ends. Yes. At the execution, he actually asked if he would be conscious when electrocuted so that he could savor the pain. And that, my friends, is the grossest story I have encountered thus far. I'm sure there will be more. But yes, this is, that's Albert Fish. Did they have like, um, do we know if they had anesthesia back then? Because I'd have been like, no, bitch, I'm going to put you under. Like, you ain't going to feel none of this. That's a good question. I don't think the state would have paid for that, though. <laughs> I would have. If I was like Grace Bud's mom, I'd been like, I'll pay for it. I want this bitch to get no satisfaction from his death. Like, that's just... And I do, I do want to say also, though, like, I do think he was mentally ill. Mm-hmm. And I think because of his trauma mixed with his mental illness led him to be and do what he is. I think it all started back at the orphanage. Yeah, those damn Catholic I think it started nuns with fucked him up. The, the whole social structure that was normalized mm-hmm. in a religious environment. 
in that like corporal punishment being the standard uh-huh. of ch- child rearing. Mm-hmm. When we talk about mental illness, mental illness is not an an excuse or like not. to cause harm on other people. And not all people who have mental illness are evil people. And not all people who are evil have mental illness. Now, it is different when you have like a manic episode and you're in that manic episode. Now that committing crimes in a manic episode, you literally are not in your right mind. You don't remember it. You don't have consciousness of like what is going on and you can commit some heinous crimes, but you've it's technically not you, you know? So like, but that's not what's happening here. But even in manic episodes, a lot of people in manic episodes do bleach their hair and they yeah. <laughs> they paint something weird or they buy a bunch of stuff, you know? Like it's a spectrum. I, I would say a very small percentage yes. get violent. Agreed, agreed. Normally, if there's any indication of violence, if they're being treated by a mental health professional, they are... It can uh, be caught, yeah. Yeah, it can be caught and they can definitely create a treatment plan to help them to curb all of those violent urges. And the cases that I'm thinking of is a lot of those stages were either missed or the patient neglected like the the treatment plan. That's the thing. It's it's so much hard work too. It is. Yeah. You know, mental illness, it's just it's the same kind of rigorous stuff that you do if you're physically ill. You got to take mm-hmm. your medicine, you got to make sure your environment's right. It's just a bunch of different things that factor yeah. into it and it takes a lot of work and sometimes that's mm-hmm. even harder to do when you're mentally ill versus physically, you know? Mm-hmm. We're running late on this episode. We are. This is a longer one. Sorry, but sorry, not sorry. But also, like, <laughs> I'm glad more. I got all that in. I hope. I hope all of it was accurate. If I got anything wrong, someone's gonna let me know. I'm sure. But oh yeah, I'm sure they will let us know. And also, okay. like, just go listen to the four part series yeah, on morbid, and you can sure. get all the nitty gritty details if you want. Do your own this. research on it if you want to know more. If you want to know a better like timeline or something, something in in greater detail. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts, what you think about it, what you think about how yes. religion maybe like played into this. Yeah. Are we wrong about that? I mean. I think we have a very good theory on it. You have one of those paper chains behind you. I do. I haven't seen one of those since I was in kindergarten. I had to take this like really gross medicine um, and I was like complaining about it. So my daughter made me a paper chain to like break off every time I took the medicine so I could count down how many times I had to take it. And then I started tolerating the medicine a lot more. And so I forgot to rip off the rest of the days. And so it's just been hanging there. (laughs) That is such a sweet... What a good way to end the episode. That is such a sweet thing. I know. There we go. There's our cal... Our cal- We're always going to end on a happy note. <laughs> there's, I was going to say, there's our callet cleanser. That's there's good. Our, there's our If you flail to, pl- to pan... You fl- <laughs> that one. Yeah. That one. Oh, Lord have mercy. Also, oh, I'm not as think as you drunk I am. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, okay, to end it, we do have an Instagram, finally. It took me like four days to get our Instagram because Instagram was being rude and not letting oh. me register and finally did. And, um, and so it's uh, Deadly Faith Podcast. So just find us on Instagram at the... Uh, I was going to say the... At Deadly Faith Podcast. And so you can... 
see, like we'll post images of, you know, Albert Fish in each episode and put your comments there. Let us know what you think, you know, or you can shoot us an email at deadlyfaithpodcast at gmail.com. And that is all for today. We will see you guys next week with another absolutely crazy when religion and crime episode, when religion and crime collide episode. I can't talk. It's a long night. Thank you, heathens. We love you. Thank you for tuning in. (laughs) Bye. Also, heathens, if you're enjoying the show so far, please remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us on and remember to bring your sacrifice to the blood ritual. Just kidding. A review will suffice. Deadly Faith is brought to you by Choircast Network. It's produced by Lacey Bean and Lola Robbins and audio engineered by Eric Cowell. Thanks for listening.